is the Dr. Homebrew, everybody. This is Jason. We've got a great show for you, as always. We have Brian and Brian. I'm not hey. going to say which one I'm introducing first. Hello. I'll let you figure this out. This is Theater for the Mind, everybody. Welcome to our lair. <laughs> which is our mind. It's this is true. bright for a lair, but it's all right. <laughs> yeah, well, look, no one's ever accused us of being too bright. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Uh, we have a good show for you today. We're about to chat with Colin, and I believe he has... What am I doing? I'm turning on the wrong stupid thing. You always um, do that. I do. Uh, Baltic Porter, I believe, right, is what Baltic Colin has. Baltic Porter, yeah. And then, uh, what else are we going to talk about? Um, I got to start saying the styles ahead of time, like, uh, yeah. in the in the beginning of the show, because when I go back and edit to try to write the descriptions, I have to... It's a pain in the ass. So yeah, we're going to talk... we've got uh, an alt beer as well. Alt beer. Yeah. That's right. <clears throat> Uh, before we get too far afield, I want to thank our sponsor, Five Star Chemicals. Go to fivestarchemicals.com and learn about the pleasurable ways to clean and sanitize your home brewing equipment. Excuse me. Man, I'm full of like hot dog. What did you eat, dude? Dude, I had a hot dog. And so, okay. Ah, anyway, uh, fivestarchemicals.com. They're great people. They love you. Uh, we, they, we actually, love they actually told me to tell you that they like you. And so if you like them <laughs> back... Mm-hmm. Check yes or no. No, I went to uh, the Hot Dog Palace here, the hot which dog is Palace is great. Frequently, what I do, you know, I'll grab a quick dogarino and a side of fried rollies and uh, a little root beer. I don't really drink soda, but like once a month when I have when I'm at the Hot Dog Palace, nothing tastes good as good with a, a nice quick dog than a, a little tiny Barks root beer. You yep. know, it's the one with bite. I like Barks. <laughs> but the problem is the fries that they make over there are so, like, right out of the john, right out of the vat. So they're so warm, uh, and they go down so easy, and it's like it's very much like comfort food. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't stop eating it. And then I eat the whole basket, and I shouldn't, because I'm 42 years old and have high cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need a bag of chips, but I do. Now, are they greasy fries? No. No, they're pleasurable amount. They, they're they're dried off. There's a little bit of moisture on them, but not much. Um, but the secret, I'll tell you what. And they have garlic salt over there, like a big shaker ah, of garlic salt. I haven't go. noticed that. And you just you just that's the extra little magic. Hit them with the garlic salt, man, and it's like it's a, the most amazing treat you've ever given yourself. The other secret for not being like super full yeah. from the hot dog palace: don't get the fries at all. Yeah, well, <laughs> I just go. I get the dog. You know, the Concord dog. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty, pretty damn good, man. I, it's, I mean, eight ninety five. You get the special. It's it's hard yeah. not to. But like usually, to money, so you eat more. Yeah, but <laughs> usually I have self control, and I can like, like I need to stop. But I'm just you know you get my problem is when I eat food like that, I get into a rhythm where I have it timed just right. Where as soon as I'm about to swallow the first bite, I have the second bite coming. I'm just a machine at that point, and I need to stop that. That's a good idea. Thank you. Have also, you just you know, bring your kid with you wherever you go and give them half of your food. Mm. Just don't order, <laughs> don't order fries for the kid. That's what I do. You know, we go out somewhere. Like, yeah, he gets more than half of my fries. That's all I need. It's just like I take a little pile, and they're, yeah. they're so hot. We eat them, and then they're so good. You're though. done by God the time. Bless. The dog is small, small, but the, the 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 fries make up for it, man. Anyway, have you, that's have my you considered here. competitive eating. As a hobby or a, perhaps a career? No, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it. Because, you know, food is enjoyable. I don't understand competitive eaters. Yeah, I, I don't either. I'm just yeah. saying you have that rhythm going where you have your swallowing one, you get the next one ready to go. You could probably do be some competitive 
crying yeah, eating. You know, thing. I've I've worked really hard at lowering my stomach capacity. I don't mm-hmm. need to like train. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm not trying. Some to do of those that. guys are skinny too, though. I don't know. They just they're just really good at it and figure competitive it out. anorexia. That is definitely or bulimia, not. Excuse me. Yeah, that is definitely not for your boy here. But uh, anyway, let's just get. You know, if you want to get Colin on the uh, the program, let's do it. I'm pretty excited. Everything's working in the studio now. Including I was, us. I was able to, to to play the beginning music. I wasn't able to do that last month. What about the cameras? Cameras are not working because Bev is not here. Uh-huh. So literally nobody knows that we're on the so air. It would be working. <laughs> yeah. mm. We're not on the air anymore. There's no stream, oh. which I sort of forgot about. And so like I'm sitting over here like futzing with the, you know, making sure we're going live and all mm. that kind of stuff. There's no live anymore. It's If oh. we're not on camera, we're not live. Okay. So there you go. So we're I shouldn't have said Yeah, I shouldn't yeah. have posted on Facebook that we're just going live on with on the air with Doctor Homebrew because we're not. <clears throat> they're taunting everybody. Well, you know what, Brian? You know, no, you shouldn't have. Uh, you should have cleared it with me. Number one. Number two. <laughs> I'm shocked that you're. That's probably the first person that has lied on Facebook, and I don't like it. <laughs> I tell you what, Brian, it doesn't feel good. It does not feel good. Yeah. Life will go on. Gonna have to get my pay doc this week, aren't I? That's right, yeah. Just like my stomach, man. Uh, Colin, are you there? I'm here. What's going on, man? Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So you sent us a Baltic Porter, and number one, thank you very much for doing that. I appreciate that. Baltic Porter's not really so much a a represented style on this show. No, it's not. And I'm excited about this. I think we we probably scored it about 10 points higher just because it's not an IPA. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. That's right. Can you put the cap on? Yes. Okay. Well, then you get an instant 10 points, no matter what what's going on. Is this your first Baltic Porter that you ever brewed in your entire life? Uh, So this, actually, the second all-grain batch I ever did was this beer, and I just evolved over time. So Mm, I've brewed this one quite a few times. How uh, long have you been brewing? About six years. Okay. Are you in a homebrew club? I am uh, Brewers of Northeast Tennessee. Nice. Is there a... Bent? No, that's not quite it. Brunette. (laughs) What? Brunette. (laughs) Brunette. 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 Okay, Uh, I got it. I forgot the N. I don't know, whatever. Um, Okay, well, let's leave Colin alone for a second. Let's judge his beer. Let's, yeah. Who wants to go first? Where's the beer? Oh, I got it right here. We want the beer. You want the beer too. Here we go. So, yeah. Brian, do me a favor. <clears throat> Pour us some beers. Brian Sharp, why don't you start out and then uh, we'll let Brian Cooper over here catch up with uh, a little pouring of a Baltic porter. That sounds great. Uh, I really love this style. This is one of my one of my favorites to drink and uh, even to brew. I mean, this is just such a, a great, great beer. And this is, I think, a really good representation of, of the style. The uh, aroma was uh, medium malt, including, you know, I think some medium level of toast. Uh, got a definite dark, the range of, of aromas you expect from dark malt without really any any roast, which is what this style calls for. There was some toastiness, uh, but not like that full roast coffee type aroma. Uh, low fruity esters, uh, plums and raisins, uh, definitely there. Uh didn't get any off aromas, no hop aroma. Uh, if there was any knock at all, it was maybe slightly less rich or full than I would like. So I gave it 9 out of 12 for aroma. Uh, appearance, 3 out of 3. Uh, large brown head. Uh, color is extremely dark brown. Uh, very clear as far as you can tell in such a dark beer. Uh, you know, I like to just kind of 
you know, tilt it a little bit, find like a shallow area, look through some light, and you can almost always, even in the darkest beers, find some way to check clarity. And this, this was really clear. Uh, head was moderately persistent, which is a nice accomplishment for a high-alcohol beer. Flavor, uh, is it, wow, I, I really like the flavor of this beer. Uh, and this is even having uh, served it to myself at home to judge this. Uh, out of the fridge without letting it sit for you know ten fifteen minutes like I really should have should have done before I poured it. Uh, still had a lot of flavor. It was very well attenuated. Uh, initially, the flavor was uh, sort of a toast bread crust uh, dark malt flavor. Uh, very low roast, consistent with style. Uh, Mid palate bitterness comes up uh, to sort of a medium level to balance. Now, there's no hop flavor that I could detect, but you know, bitterness was, I think, very well done and very appropriate. Uh, I even I liked the attenuation on this so much I wrote down twice that it was very well attenuated, I, I see, uh, which is a good accomplishment when you're dealing with a, a beer that has such a high original gravity and that you're also going to do a lager fermentation with. So I look forward later to hearing about your, your fermentation process. There's a low level of sweet ethanol near the finish. Uh, but it's it's pleasant and it's not harsh. And if you weren't looking for it, you probably wouldn't notice it. And it's the kind of beer you probably need to warn people about that. Hey, this is a ball. <laughs> this is not just like a uh, this is not a five percenter. This is eight, you know, maybe eight ten something like that. Oh, for sure. Uh, the uh, uh, finish is long and dry and balanced toward malt. I gave this a sixteen out of twenty for flavor. Mouthfeel five out of five. Body is full. Uh, it's this beer is smooth and creamy. Uh, some warming is noticeable, but it's not. Uh, there's not a harsh aspect to it, and it doesn't just immediately warm you up. It's just a very smooth, pleasant, soft warming. Uh, no astringency, medium carbonation. Uh, overall impression, I think this is a really well-made beer that is very tasty. Uh, attenuation is spot on. Uh, you know, the only thing that I might try to do is get the aroma to be a little bigger. But having said that, I don't know that the aroma being sort of lower overall than I might have wanted wasn't my own fault for serving it to to myself too cold. And I also don't know how you do that without screwing up how great the attenuation is. You know, the normal thought process when you're brewing is, oh, I'll add more X to get more of certain character from, from the beer. Uh, and adding more malt, I think, is just going to be counterproductive because the attenuation on this is just perfect where you want it to be. Uh, so uh, I gave it 9 out of 10 for overall impression for a total score of, of 42. And Brian and I were actually discussing before the show that you know both of us might want to even think about coming up some. But this is you know definitely, uh, without question, a 40-plus point beer. Wow. Uh, extreme, extremely well done. Thank you for sharing it with us. Well, Colin, are you sitting down for this? I mean, come on. Uh, I'm fantastic. I'm very glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, what did you give again, Brian? I'm sorry, 42? 42. Okay. Uh, Brian Cooper. Yeah, do you, if you entered any competitions with this, I'd like to hear what you did. Just get it into a reputable competition and, and uh, see how it does. Hope you still have some... Uh, some left around, uh, but I'm going to echo a lot of what Brian said there. Um, in the nose, you get I get a pleasant, sweet, dark malt up front with a light, uh, like caramel and nutty qualities, uh, chocolate and coffee, kind of mellow, um, a little bit of dark fruit, kind of prune-like, uh, medium low level of that. Uh, no hops noted, and uh, seems 
nicely, cleanly lagered uh, with low ferment esters, um, no DMS or diacetyl, uh, just nice, clean, clean beer, inviting nose. Um, yeah, this one's a little colder than I probably judged it last night. I'm getting a little less aroma off of it, but it's still what's there is really nice. Uh, Appearance-wise, it's a deep brown with a low tan-colored head of fine bubbles. Uh, it persists um, only a short while. It's a strong beer, so not not necessarily known for a long-lasting head, but uh, you know, it has a nice creamy-looking texture to it. It's a pretty uh, pretty beer overall, so I couldn't really take away any points for appearance. Flavor-wise, richly malty with a uh, fairly bold uh, chocolate aspect to it. Um, I thought maybe I was a little a little much on the chocolate, but it's not, uh, again, like Brian said, it's not overtly roasty at all. It's just smooth and, uh, and malty, cleanly lagered, um, with moderately low dark fruit esters, um, a semi-dry finish, just a, just a tiny hint of sweetness. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's not like bone dry beer. There's something there to play off the malt a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's coffee like with hints of toffee, caramel. Um, it's definitely balanced to the malt. Uh, medium low bitterness and uh, no no real hop flavors in there. It's um, kind of where it should be for that. I really like the flavor a lot. Mouthfeel wise, I'd say it's medium full bodied and smooth with a medium low carbonation. Slight warmth, but not biting at all. Somewhat creamy, uh, with no no obvious astringent bites at all. There's nothing nothing really biting about it. Just uh, smooth, smooth, smooth. <laughs> uh, maybe use a little more. A little more CO2, and that might also drive some some more aromas out. Um, but it's not a flat beer by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, a really fine point there. Uh, overall, I think it's a fantastically smooth drinking Baltic Porter with nearly all the declared uh, style elements. It could use a, a bit more carbonation and, and slightly more restrained use of the chocolate malts. But still, just wonderful as it is. Um, I thought maybe, you know, I want to, I gave it a 43. Um, well, actually, I just leapfrogged Brian because I think mm. I was at a 41. I was like, did I score? I, th- I felt like I scored that too low. And he's like, yeah, I kind of felt the same thing. I was like, well, I just come up a couple points. That's the beauty about going second. You can do that. Yeah. You can make look make Brian look really ridiculous. Yeah, you got to show me and, up, man. Yeah. <laughs> so and then I, I think that it's interesting to note, and I, I haven't studied these quite enough to know uh, why it is, but the... This tastes more like the regular kind of Russian, you know, the Russian side of things as far as Baltic porters go, hmm. uh, than like the Polish style, um, roasty like the, maybe. Like the is that however you say the Zaivik or the Okosim yeah. uh, have this kind of um, mineral tang to it almost, mm. or something, something a little biting about those to me. And I don't know if it's just the minerals in their the water that they used to brew it, um, but when I get a Polish one, it has a little bite to and I was almost looking for that and this is just it's not there uh, but it you know it's not it's an optional you know uh, kind of thing that can come up in some of them or maybe you know maybe some of the bottles I've gotten were kind of abused and older and had something going on that, that was giving them this little tang to them but um, they do <laughs> travel far but to have a, such a well-brewed home-brewed version of it here is 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 fantastic I could drink a, a lot of this I'd have to drink it Slow, and I'd like to <laughs> listen to your recipe and, and hear how, how strong it is for how smooth it is. Uh, you did a great job there, Colin. Thank you. Well, excellent, Colin. Well, look, why don't you give us the recipe first, and then we can talk if you've entered it and kind of, um, you know, applaud you a little bit more and, here. And any questions, too? Sure. 
Uh, so grain bill, uh, it's uh, original gravity. I was shooting for uh, 1091, but I dropped my hydrometer. So I'm Ooh. assuming that's what it was. Ruthless. Um, um, the uh, final gravity was 1020. Um, wow. Grain bill, it was uh, 6% caramel 60, 6% caramel 120, 6% chocolate malt at 350L, uh, 7.3% rye malt, 8.5% flaked wheat, and then 66.3% just two row. Um, All right. Hops, it was 160 minute edition uh, for 30 IBUs. Okay. Yeah, and then water-wise, uh, mash pH was 5.4. Uh, calcium was 117 ppm. Uh, sodium was 35 ppm. Sulfate, 6 ppm. Chloride was 83 ppm. Yeah, so definitely on the chloride and not the sulfide side of the water chemistry. Yeah. That's always going to yeah. accent your sweetness a little more nicely. Yeah. 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 That's the dark yeah. beer water profile. This is a five-gallon batch, or how much did you make? Uh, five gallons. Yep. Cool. I mean, you didn't give us pounds or anything, just percentages. But yeah, did yeah. you did you do a lager fermentation? Uh, so I well, it sat in the fridge for six months, but I actually uh, use uh, the Scottish ale from Y East, the seventeen twenty eight. Interesting. Um, so I'm I made a, a one point two five pitch rate, so pretty big starter, uh, and then pitched mm-hmm. it sixty two and just let it ride at that, um, and then once it fermented in about four days, I actually I absolutely love that yeast for. I don't know if it's my water or what, but it absolutely destroys everything, and it's super clean. <laughs> um, so that's what I use, unless it's a Belgian or a, a straight-up lager. That's what I use all the time. Um, but then it, um, uh, like I said, sat in, sat in the fridge for about six months. I breathed this in mid-July. Okay. Wow, it held, it held up really well. Yeah. So um, I actually sent it to a competition and got a 30. So <laughs> 30? Uh, yeah. How long? How old was the beer when you sent it in? Uh, it was maybe a month ago. Oh, Jiminy huh. Christmas! So okay. actually, the I bottled this cuts the samples. I sent the competition at the same time. I bottled the beer that I sent you guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know so, how uh, things can happen in competitions where sometimes if you if, did you ship it uh, to somewhere or did you take it somewhere locally? Uh, I shipped it. Yeah, I mean, shipping you, it's hard to tell. Uh, it's it's not the hot time of year, but. It you know, all kind once it leaves your hands and it leaves your control, a lot of things can happen to it that will adversely affect the quality. Yeah, yeah. This time of year, it could sit somewhere and freeze for a while, and you'd never yeah. know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Colin, let's talk. Any questions? Do you have any questions for the guys at all about um, anything? Well, I'm super pumped that score. That's the highest score I've ever gotten, so <laughs> yeah. makes me feel a little better. Well, like I said, we um, added a bunch, but you know, yeah, only if it matters. Just because it's really, cool right? style. No, we, we, really, we really did. We really did like it. That, we really did like it that much. And Brian just looked at each other and was like, "This is a yeah. This is an yeah. excellent beer." Can we maybe pick nits at Colin real fast to see uh, maybe he can uh, we can help him bump it up a, a little bit? I'm curious if you recall what the other judges said in the competition you entered. Uh, give me one. I pulled, they basically the gist of it. They said it wasn't complex and didn't have enough dark fruit esters. Yeah, no, and I I could mm. see that that point. So, like, so too clean. The dark the dark fruit esters were something that were a little subdued. Um, it didn't have a lot of that kind of prune like quality. But um, I mean, I I don't know. I get I get that. Yeah, I get a something. prune thing going on, but yeah. it's also a month uh, a month older now. 
sitting around in the bottles longer might help it too. So, you know, another month in the bottles, we just judged it for the first time last night. Um, if you re-enter it again, it might do even even better. So, I don't know. All right. yeah. And, you know, a longer, you know, I, I, I agree with these guys, it doesn't have to be a fruit bomb. Right. right. The, the fact that it, you want to have, I, I get some low fruit in this. Uh, people read the descriptions sometimes in the style guidelines, and they feel like everything in there has to be present at like a super high level. And that's mm-hmm. not what the guidelines really say. Uh, you know, the one thing that I might try if we're going to pick nits mm-hmm. is, you know, ferment. Next time you do this, uh, if you don't want to do all ferment all of it as a lager, you know, pull a gallon off. Put you know, do a, a lager yeast starter and try fermenting this as a lager, mm. which is what this style traditionally is. And you're going to get some additional complexity just from the the sulfur from the lager yeast. You know, it's going to create different flavors and give you a different flavor profile. And just you know, give it a shot. Try it side by side with the Scottish. Yeah, well, why not? Yeah. Uh, my what I've been confused by the style and the guidelines. It talks about lager yeast, but then it talks about moderate esters. And uh, are those conflicting things? I'm not mm. sure how to get the dark fruit esters with a, with a lager yeast. <laughs> yeah, I, I to some extent, I think there is a conflict. But I think also because this tends to be a big beer, although looking at the guidelines, I was fascinated to see that the the ABV on this can be 6.5 to 9.5, and I've made them at, you know, 10 plus. Uh, I think that the upper limit is really kind of a guideline more than a hard and fast upper limit. Okay. Uh, I think that even when you're brewing it as a lager, you're going to have, if it's such a big beer, yeah. you're going to end up with some esters anyway. Uh, and maybe that's just wishful thinking on my mm. part. But again, this is not going to be... This is not a beer that's a Russian imperial stout that is kind of a fruit bomb in some ways, right? I mean, if you get a Russian imperial stout, you want, you know, big flavors, you want big roast, you want big hops, you want big, uh, well, at least for the, some of the more American interpretations, you want big fruit. You want to be smelling a bowl full of plums and raisins and cherries and everything else. This is not a Russian imperial stout, mm-hmm. right? This is right. going to be a cleaner it's going to be a beer that has a lot of flavor and a lot of aroma, but it's going to be cleaner, uh, less, you know, quote, huge. You know, it's it's a different style. So I, I wouldn't get wrapped around the axle too much about the esters. Uh, and it, it also goes to you know, the other competition you entered. It goes to show the subjectivity of, of competition. And who knows? You know, maybe, the, you, maybe the person right before you that they were judging their beer had a Baltic porter that was somehow like super fruity estery. Uh, maybe way out of maybe way out of style, and then you happen to have the misfortune of going right after that, right? And then they're thinking, well, this this is not quite as fruity as the other one. Well, because that was maybe a fruit bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, what do you think, Brian? Well, I wanted to say too. Um, you know, a lot of times for for base malt in this, they'll use a, like a Vienna or. A, or a, a Munich, so mm-hmm. maybe instead of the two row, if you wanted to get go for just a little more complexity, um, you could use one of those base malts like a Vienna, um, or combine it with the two row and see what you get. Um, but the, the fruity esters that are coming from this are not necessarily from from yeast. You're going to get very little from the yeast. It's mostly just 
um, dark fruit esters from the malts that you're using and, you know, kind of the alcohol and, the, you know, the moderate amount of sweetness in the beer accents that and makes it taste like, oh, it tastes kind of fruity, you know, but pretty fruity. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, it's it's not like, well, just raise your fermentation temperature way up. You know, that's not going to be what you want to do. So what do you think, Colin? What do you think about those uh, suggestions? Yeah. Um, it, my next question was going to be, uh, I know that traditionally it's a Vienna or something like that for base. I was going to, that was going to be my next question. So, okay. It doesn't, obviously, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have guessed that it was a, you know, a, a domestic, uh, base. not at all. It's, it's no. what you did with, you know, which is exactly why you're not supposed to say the ingredients before you judge it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you can, <laughs> so if, if my instinct with looking at the recipe that Brian wrote down and, and I want you guys in the room to tell me if I'm wrong about this. But so there's three different crystal malts and they're all 60 or higher. Oh, two, two, two different crystal malts and a chocolate. Oh, okay. A cho- yeah. oh, let's see. I can't read Brian's I'm, I'm scrib- chicken scratch. I'm scribbling feverishly. <laughs> so rat- a 60 and a 120. Off. What if that 60 was like a 45 or a 40 and the 120 was like a, a like British 50, 60 or something like that? Some like maybe yeah. like a middle of the road crystal and then not so much of a raisin crystal to sort of balance, uh, give a little bit more of that body and that kind of depth that we're talking about is that inappropriate do you guys feel that there were the, the crystal selection and level was was fine on this i like the crystal element okay. of it all right and the the chocolate was nice and mellow so i'm um, wrong that's fine i can be wrong mm. the rye is an interesting choice in there too i don't know that many of them use use rye but uh i'm not getting a big spicy rye character in it it might just kind of lend lightly to the complexity yeah um yeah so the first time I ever had this beer was at a brew pub, and they had a rye Baltic porter. Ah. I fell in love with it, and I've been trying to brew it ever since. So yeah. I don't, if the rye does much, I, I'm not sure. Maybe a little earthiness or something in there. But yeah, um, if you want to do a rye Baltic porter, you'd probably want it closer to you know twelve, fifteen percent. Yeah, rye. you're never gonna right. know. Yeah, and you know, I, against I all of this here, you're hardly gonna taste it. <laughs> yeah, I don't really yeah. taste it, and the additional hassle that it can give you when you're mashing, it, especially like a seven percent level. I mean, did you use rice hulls? No, I uh, batch barge, so okay. it's not usually that big of a deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think if I were going to change anything, that might be, yeah, sure, keep some. You're going to get some a little bit of spice character out of that, perhaps. But, yeah, I mean, I, I having, you know, play around with it. I, I think what Jason had suggested about, you know, be varying your crystal malts, you know, give it a try. And just like what Brian was saying about with Munich or Vienna, that's not going to get up to the point of being caramel, but it's going to give you some other... Uh, flavors that are more than just the two row you're going to get a little yeah. more of that t- the direction of caramel so you know you're talking about something complex and talking about layering you already have two-thirds uh, uh you know, base malt and one-third specialty malt and i don't know that i would want to go much higher than about one-third of your grain bill being specialty malt but yeah play play around with that and see what what works for you and That's- see how things come out just keep if this is a style you like and you like to drink it uh, I know we, we sure like to drink it. Yeah. Uh, just keep playing with it and see, you know, keep fine tuning it and see how you get it the way you like it even more. And I think that the uh, the batch sparging that you're doing here, too, is, is another part of what's helping to keep it nice and smooth. Uh, where if you get one that's over sparged on a fly sparge system, you know, you're, you're going to start getting astringency and things that add a little bite and intensity to it. Uh, you know, you're going to lose a little efficiency with the batch sparge, but it's worth it. You know, your home brewing is a little <laughs> right. bit extra ingredients, but hell, that's that's yeah. a nice way to go. Exactly. 
the, the ton of extra time has just never no. made yeah. sense. I'd rather buy a couple more pounds of green. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Another question, as far as the, really the only roast malt I have is the chocolate malt. I've considered maybe throwing pale chocolate and then like 4% and then maybe 2% of a, uh, Carafa three special or something like that to kind of add more complexity as far as the roast character. Look, I love chocolate, a pale chocolate malt. It's my favorite malt. desert island malt, hundred percent. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the roast level on this is fine. Okay, I, what, do you I guys, agree. what do you guys think? I agree. Yeah, as much as I want to advocate for pale chocolate, you could put a little okay. bit of you know uh, deep bittered chocolate malt in there. You know, a little bit of deep bittered black prins or whatever something. But yeah. I mean, this is not a style that really calls for high roast. That's Russian Imperial. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Then I appreciate the feedback. That's Again, that's a style that the description and the one time I had it in that brew pub is fantastic. And it's a really hard thing to find. (laughs) Where was the brew pub? You want to call them out? (laughs) Uh, It's Flat Branch Brewing in uh, Columbia, Missouri. Okay, nice. Nice. Sounds cool. Well, Colin, man, if that's it, we'll let you go. I appreciate it, guys. Thank cool. you. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Thanks, if, you, if you rebrew it, let us know. Send it back in. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. I do. Cheers. Bye. Right. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. That's a damn fine beer. And Baltic Porter, the alcohol should kind of sneak up on you. The alcohol. You know, I, I made a Baltic Porter about 10 years ago. My daughter was in daycare, and a bunch of the folks from daycare were over at the house, and I had a big sign over my kegerator. This is 10%, and I circled it, like, multiple times, and I circulated to everybody. This is a 10% beer. People were pouring it. That's a 10% beer. Be careful. And it didn't matter. Like, two hours into this, it was like a Friday night happy hour after work for, like, parents and people from daycare. Yeah. There were, like, three dads asleep in my living room. And Hell yeah. people were, like, it, it was like, it, no, stop drinking the Baltic Porter. It's like drinking two two beers at once that you're used to. Yeah, I feel like with, with numbers, well, how am I supposed to put this? With people who don't drink regularly, or if they do, they're drinking Budweiser or Coors yeah. or whatever. They they don't even really know the alcohol that's in that can of Coors, let's say, because no one's looking. But they go, oh, maybe it's like four or five percent. I think to those people, anything over six it means nothing. It's like um, what's the phrase? They're like yep. alcohol level blind, where yeah. they just they just don't understand that six to seven is pretty big and six to ten is huge. So they yeah. ten you you could have put a hundred and they have no idea. They'll still pour it like mm-hmm, it was normal. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to be clearing uh, uh, Passed Out Dads out of my living room. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a good band name. (laughs) Passed Out Dads? Passed Out Dads. I don't know. All right, everybody. uh, Real quick, we're going to take a fast break, and we'll come back, and we're going to judge another beer, and then uh, we're all going to sing Kumbaya, because that's my favorite song. We'll be right back. Now count backwards from 100. 99. 98. That's it. 97, 96, 95. Now back to Dr. Homebrew. Hell yeah, Dr. Homebrew, everybody. Yes. Brian, you got something special going on here, don't you? In, uh, I don't know, about a month. Well, by the time this pod is released, probably in a couple of days. So I do. this. Well, they've done, uh, this will be the... Do you call it the dozenth when it's the 12th annual? <laughs> I think you do. Yeah, you it's call it the, the dozenth. The 12th annual 
SF Beer Week here in the Bay Area. And they, they don't just celebrate in San Francisco. It's There's events all over the place here, and, and uh, we happen to be in the East Bay. We do a little thing called Beer Judging 101 every year. And um, since the inception, actually, of Beer Week, and we've trained a lot of people uh, to become judges, uh, it's it's really just a primer for people that want to check it out and, uh, you know, experience some world beer styles as a, a, a judge would. And it's, it's led by... My judging mentor, uh, David Techham, who is a Grandmaster Six level beer judge, he's like, "Wow, we're just the peons in this Grandmaster mm-hmm. One level here on this show." <clears throat> he's like Yoda, so um, baby Yoda or full yeah. grown Yoda, full grown, full, okay. full grown Yoda. Yeah. Although we hope he lasts more than th- you know uh, three, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, three movies. Um, so, yeah, uh, you can get your tickets at, uh, I've got a shortcut for it, at tinyurl.com slash sfbwclass20. And it's at Bottle Taps in Pleasanton on February 8th. And um, 40 bucks is a two-hour class. And you get a lot of good beers and a lot of good experience. And uh, uh, trust me, it's worth your while. So it's a really, it's a small kind of, uh, just a really unique intro to beer judging for people that have tasted a lot of a lot of beers or they're homebrewing and want to take it to the next level, learn more about tasting their own beers. Uh, so it's a, it's a nice uh, nice little thing we, we do every year, and it's a lot of fun. That yeah. sounds cool, man. And 40 bucks for two hours of intense judge training, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. You can go on um, yeah, Bottle Taps Facebook page, too, and there's a link to the tickets there. So just look up Bottle Taps if you're anywhere near Pleasanton. Awesome. Tecum is such a nice guy, and he's so skilled. Yeah, I, would just, I second the recommendation. If you're anywhere around here and you have the opportunity and the interest, go do that. He sort of looks like Super Dave Osborne. Ah, <laughs> ah, Doesn't ah, he? I mean, now that you've said that, I'll never be able to unsee it. Oh my god! <laughs> call him Super Dave. It just came to me. Super Dave uh, Tecum. What was Super Dave Osborne? Was he on the Letterman show first? He had some like some HBO special. He was on like, like H- he was on like USA uh, Night Flight, wasn't he? Yeah, but I think he started on Letterman. I don't know. Could be Super Dave Osborne kicked ass. Well, yeah, all right, I'm does. trying to talk to Paul. Let me just call him. I try to chat with him, but maybe he's not a chatting guy. And we'll see if we can't get him on the line here. And if not, well, we're just gonna move on with the. Uh, I can send out some smoke signals. We can bounce a laser off of some satellites with some Morse code or something. We can make it happen. There he is. Paul. Nope. Oh, I missed you, Paul. That sounds like someone flatlining. Call back. All right. Um, All right. So there we go. There is Paul's beer. Brian, if you wouldn't mind. I guess I could do it, too. Why don't you start judging? How about that? Start judging. Okay. Um, I'll be back in 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, wait. We already... Dead air, dead air is cool. We, yeah. people, listeners, just wait for us. Yeah. Well, uh, let me tell you about this beer. This is... Uh, we just judged it, and uh, it is a uh, an alt beer, a 7B in the BJCP uh, style guidelines. So... Um, Here's what I'm getting in the nose. It has uh, it's malty with uh, bread crust like notes and a bit of nuttiness, um, some sweetness and fruitiness. Uh, you know, um, or sorry, the sweet sweetness and fruitiness. Uh, the esters are are both very restrained. It's uh, it's got a low spicy kind of hop. You know, I would say there's there seems to be a light phenolic in here, like 
clove and some faint medicinal going on. Um, it's not too distracting, but it's a little bit uh, off-putting there. It's not something that shouldn't really be there in this beer. It should be uh, a little mellower than that. The nose is kind of biting me that way. So um, no DMS or diacetyl. Um, so otherwise, it's, it's fairly clean. It's not, not really... Offensive. It's kind of there mostly for for you know what the style should be. It's got the right kind of, kinds of malts, uh, and it, it it looks pretty good too. The uh, the copper colored beer um, has a nice, uh, very um, clear um, presentation, and the um, has a light tan of very fine bubbles that sticks around for a good while. Uh, it, has, it does have kind of an odd. Uh, I don't know. It's not gray, but like a grayish orange tinge instead of like you know a bright burnished orange highlight. It's got this kind of subdued kind of grayish orange little uh, tinge to it. I don't know why, but um, maybe I'm just trying to be creative. Um, in the flavor, um, the flavor was actually pretty nice. I like. I was thought in the nose. Well, it's going to have this big phenolic and kill me. Really doesn't do that. Uh, rich, dark bread crust and lightly um, toasty, and some nuttiness in the malt um, up front. Uh, the hop bitterness is subdued. Um, it should actually be a little more bitter. Although you know they they want to be twenty five to thirty five IBUs for the kind of base, but uh, you know if you're trying to uh, clone a some origa, it's going to be a, a lot more bitter than that. Uh, but it's you know it's probably on the low end for for bitterness, uh, if not a little bit below. So um, I want them to have just a little more oomph to them. And uh, so it finished nice and dry. Uh, seems fairly cleanly fermented and uh, conditioned. Uh, but again, I get a hint of phenolics. It's a little less in the flavor to me than in the nose. Uh, but those phenolics that popped up there are, are coming through just a little bit in the flavor for me. Uh, not too distracting there, but uh, yeah. And there's some some firm alcohol that, that that I noticed as I kept sipping it. I get a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, harshness in the alcohol. Uh, the alcohol is pretty obvious, and it, it shouldn't be that intense. I guess it's not it's not intense. I guess, but it's just against everything else there. Um, you know that that's popping out a little bit more than it should. Yeah, it's pokey, pokey. Yeah, mouthfeel mm. uh, wise, it's medium bodied. Uh, just a bit of astringency. Uh, well, maybe more than just a little bit. Uh, there's some astringency here that's kind of biting, and uh, that may be part of what is, is uh, giving me that ha- kind of harsh impression. Um, <clears throat> it's not as smooth as I hoped. Uh, this should be a pretty smooth beer. Uh, it has a slight bite with a medium low alcohol warmth. Uh, and medium high carbonation, medium to medium high carbonation, kind of in that range, um, pretty a little prickly. Um, so I'll say it's a fairly good attempt at an alt beer, um, and it seems like good ingredients were used. I, I will say that because it tastes, you know, the the malts are are toasty, bread crust like, dark dark bread. It tastes like good ingredients, just with something going on in the ferment. So. Um, Again, the hop bitterness should come up a little bit to balance the malts, and uh, that that phenolic you need to get rid of that. Uh, it's it can be cleaned up with a bit more attention to the ferment health, and uh, you can get rid of that hot alcoholic note. Likewise, by just taking care of your ferment, just use a big uh, big pitch of vigorous, healthy, happy yeast that's just going like gangbusters on your starter and <laughs> get her in there. Uh, you know, maybe you did that, and and you can still have problems even with with that. You know. Um, 
But yeah, maybe if if the OG went off a little high, you could back that off too. I'm not sure if the what I'm perceiving as alcohol uh, heat is is just just kind of the the intensity from the astringency and some other things are going on here. But um, you know, uh, so it's pretty the pretty fine points. It's actually not a bad beer. It's a nice a nice try at this style. And again, I like the flavor better than the aroma myself. Um, the aroma. I think maybe I'm just a little sensitive in the nose to to the phenolics, and they they just it just stands in the way of other things that are there. But once I'm, once I was in the flavor, I could taste. Okay, there's a nice nice malts in there. Um, this, this is a low 30s beer. I give it a 31. I thought it's a decent alt beer, but it's it's not gonna win any awards. But you could definitely clean it up. You're using some good stuff here, and you could do um, do better with that. So, uh, but thanks for sharing it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brian Shar. You know, it's funny as I had almost the exact opposite perceptions on aroma and flavor as uh, hmm. Dr. Cooper did uh, here, which is fascinating. And it probably shows the interrelationship of aroma and flavor uh, also. Uh, aroma, I thought, was rich and malty. It had a, uh, a very kind of bread crust character to it like you'd encounter on fresh dark bread like rye bread or something. With the sample in front of you, do you still have that? Let me talk about yeah. that while I'm swirling it so I'm not just sitting here and having dead air. No, me, I'll uh, talk. It's fine. And, and I normally wouldn't want to disrupt the flow, but I'm getting none of what you said, Brian Cooper, in this sample. So I wonder if we just have, if there's a or, bottle variation Brian going Char, on. Brian Shar, you mean. Yeah. Brian Shar, yeah. That's, uh, Whatever. Cooper is tall and handsome and all, but you You're know. You're both strikingly <laughs> ugly, so it's fine. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, I have a face made for radio, uh, sure. beer radio, yeah, too, I, the, I believe. If that. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get this this aroma in this sample. It is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, the bottle that we judged right before the show had a lot more rich aroma to it, to me, than this does. And maybe it's a temperature thing, but they both should have come out of the, your, out of the came same... came out of the bag. Came out of the same carrier. They're the, if anything, this one would be warmer. Because to me, this smells um, like it has fresh plums in it. Yeah, this is maybe more, a little more like I might, char- like Brian characterized it, uh, than what I was getting mm-hmm. in the previous uh, the, the previous uh, sample. Yeah, um, I sorry. got I got it. No, don't, don't be sorry. I think yeah. it's a, it's it's a good it's something good for people at home to hear. I think because when you bottle, whether you bottle condition or bottle out of a keg, each bottle becomes a separate entity, and different stuff can happen to it. It's different stuff can happen in it, and they don't always taste the same. Uh, I mean, you probably have that at home, right? If you yeah. bottle at home and you pull out one. And you want one more, and you pull out another one. It doesn't always taste like the previous one did. Well, uh, you know, Brian, I have all of my beer bottled at Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, so they do a really good job. I, I, I've heard that Ken's pretty good. Yeah. I think Ken personally uh, caps those for you. It's part of my. Um, it's part of my. Uh, why are you giving this to me, Brian? Contract. <laughs> yeah, I called him. He just didn't answer. Okay. Called yeah. Ken Grossman just now. Yeah. Uh, so I actually was interesting, in, um, and this is all notes from the previous sample, not the one that's directly in front of me now. I got a, a spicy note in kind of the base. It was almost like a rye, and almost, or possibly spicy hops. And I see where maybe that's something that you know Brian might have thought I was being, maybe a little phenolic or something. It's maybe right on the edge of that. Mm. Uh, I got sort of low plum and raisin. Supposed to, as you were just saying, Jason. There's, I think, a lot more plum and raisin in this sample. Yeah, yeah, definitely get a lot more of that and a less complexity uh, as well. 
Uh, so I gave it 10 out of 12 based on the, the previous bottle. Appearance, 3 out of 3. Head uh, is small but persistent. Uh, actually, have larger head from this bottle that oh. lasts longer. Uh, as opposed, you know, my head is already enormous, but not not mine, but the one that's in the glass. Uh, this bit, sorry, that's yeah. I, we don't need to descend in the dad jokes here, and I apologize to our listeners for that. Um, this beer is very clear, colors medium brown. It's kind of on the darker edge of the style. You know, I was looking at the style guidelines, sort of holding my phone up to the the beer, and frankly, I think that the color range that they give in the guidelines is a little bit lighter, and it doesn't go as dark as a lot of the German alt beers go. But it's also difficult to tell because unless you're using a standard reference container of a certain size, the larger the container is, the darker it's going to seem. So I'm... Yeah, this is on the darker end, but it, it's, yeah. it's, it's fine. It's still fine. Yeah, I still gave it. didn't take any points off for that. Three out of three for appearance. Flavor, uh, initially, in, in talking about the previous sample, the flavor I thought was worthy. Which was weird, given this is a well-attenuated beer. There's, mm-hmm. This is there's not a matter of unfermentability, but there was kind of a wordiness to it uh, with some smoke uh, and phenol, uh, or smoke or phenol. I mean, it can, can be the same thing. Uh, hot bitterness came up to more than balance mid-palate uh, and into the finish. Uh, the finish was long and balanced toward bitter. It was a low spicy hop flavor as well. Uh and again, this this one is not quite as bitter, but I think it's still still pretty much up there. Uh, there was something odd at the beginning in and all the way through in the malt flavor that I couldn't quite put my my finger on. I gave it eleven out of twenty for flavor, uh, mouthfeel. Uh, it was definitely uh, sort of a medium astringency here. Uh, it's very mouth puckering. And it's very drying. Like you drink, you take a sip of this, and then your mouth is. Or my mouth is like really dry yeah. right afterwards. So at first you said it's wordy, and now you're saying it's dry. You <laughs> well, when you say wordy, it's just well. The, that's what's so baffling is the wordiness. And I, I mentioned that it's, it's very well attenuated. But the wordiness was yeah. in the nose for you. The or? wordiness was in the flavor. Yeah. It was kind of okay. a. And I want to in the overall impression. I'll get to okay. that quick. Um, medium carbonation, no warming. Uh, gave us three out of five for mouthfeel. Uh, you know, I think that the aroma was really inviting. In this beer, uh, but I wonder if part of what happened here. And this is why I hope we get a chance to talk to the brewer. Uh, I'm not an expert in decoction, but given how sort of richly malty that previous one was in the aroma, and given kind of the astringency, I wonder if something happened with a decoction. I wonder if maybe the brewer attempted to decoct, um, and usually, I mean, you're boiling. And astringency often comes from, you know, higher temperature sparging. And the reason that doesn't happen with decoction is a pH issue. And I'm not an expert, but it's more you're taking a standard, you know, 5.2 mash, uh, 5.2 pH. You're boiling that. And because the pH is where it is, you don't extract the astringency. I wonder if somehow the pH was off or something happened in the process. And the decoction would explain some of the... uh, the wordy, crusty, kind of more complex uh, flavors I was getting, uh, but it also might explain the astringency of something weird had happened. Yeah, uh, but I think it's you know, it, I, the brewer's on the right track. I mean, this is not mm-hmm. awful. There's some problems. I mean, I gave it seven out of ten for overall impression. 
I uh, give it 34 out of 50. It was probably a little bit generous, but I agree with Brian. This is like a, a low 30-ish, you know, low 30s uh, beer. Uh, it's it's on the right track, and mm-hmm. I think aside, I think the recipe is fine. I think there may be some process issues in here that need to be addressed, and I really hope we get a chance to chat with the brewer about it. Yeah, that'd be nice, but uh, we're running up against it, so I doubt. But if we oh, here don't, we go. if we don't, we don't. I have some information. Oh, nice. Uh, first of all. He asked us to comment specifically on uh, carbonation because he um, he did a little bit of um, okay. uh, he had a low carbonation on the last time he was on the show, and uh, the pale ale he sent in was a little flat because of how he bottled it with the beer gun. So he tried to improve that on this one, I guess, and and had any. Ask for any suggestions for bottling and maintaining carbonation. I think Brian is is well equipped to, to speak about that <laughs> first, and then I'll I'll say some other things about the beer. Okay, no that that sounds good. I think carbonation was kind of medium-low on this. I think it was appropriate for the style. Uh, Carbonation is just the bane of my existence, whether I'm just pouring it out of a keg or bottling for competition. It's it's difficult. Same, dude. It's it's really tough. I mean, we're drinking a Keller Weiss from Sierra Nevada that could use some carbonation. I would say medium. Yeah, yeah, we're drinking a commercial beer from right here at the bar at the Hop Grenade. And granted, we see on the the screen that it's almost empty. But yeah, weird stuff. Stuff happens in in the the keg. Uh, I don't know that I would go medium low. It's it's really easily roused, mm, and it's yeah. it's kind of spritzy. Like it's right. not the head doesn't last a long time, but it's it it it, it comes right back up when you swirl it. No, I think there's more. Yeah. But so, what I, what I plan to do next time I enter a comp, which I, I got to get back on the horse of brewing and entering comps. It's been a little too long. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna try the Gordon Strong advice. I'm, I'm gonna get like a two liter bottle of. You know what, tonic water or something, something fairly neutral. Rinse it out a few times, make sure it's flavor neutral. I have one of those carbonator caps that it, all it is is a cap that screws onto a two liter bottle that accepts uh, a CO2 fitting. Yeah. So the idea is you just you take some beer right off of your tap, you fill that thing, not all, you fill it two thirds of the way, three quarters of the way. You attach, you, you chill it down within an inch of its life. You, you put it in the freezer for half. you got to watch it. You don't want to freeze your beer. It, bad things can happen. No. But you put it in the fridge. <laughs> you're an ice puck. I know. Yeah. Then good you, you, you put happen. it in the fridge. You do whatever. You get it cold so that it can, it, the more CO2 can go in solution. Because the colder a liquid is, the more carbon dioxide it can just hold within itself. Yep. Uh, I'm going to add some CO2. You gently shake it, not like shake the hell out of it, like you know you're doing. I, I, this is not the session, so I'm not going to yeah. describe like my motion hand of my jive. hand. Yes, exactly, you're, like you're using a jive. shake weight. Yes, so yeah, the, the shake weight. Yes, yeah. you, but you want to gently kind of get that into solution, and then you put it back in the fridge and you do it again. Uh, and then you, know, Gordon Strong recommends you take your three bottles for comp, you put them in the freezer, you chill them down essentially to freezing. And then you just take the carbonator cap off, and you very slowly pour it into the bottles so you don't get the CO2 out. I'm going to try it. You know, it's huh. – I'm kind of I, – I like the beer gun. I find that I also have a carbonation issue with the beer gun. That's probably user error. You know, uh, probably. I, uh, like so many things in my life and yeah. in brewing. Probably user error. Uh, 
but definitely, you know, it's, there, there are approaches for making that uh, for getting getting better carbonation. There's not but one it, way tough. to do it. Yeah. It's really it's really yeah. hard, yeah. and I you know I I feel I feel the pain of the collar uh, or the would be collar because <laughs> would be collar is a that's a one of the most difficult aspects of of competition and of brewing. What else does he say, Brian? Yeah, yeah, getting the getting the counter pressure right and getting it all as cold as you can get it. It's you know yeah. It's tough. So I'll put on my, my Paul hat here. This is right. Paul's beer. A quick note about this beer. I brewed this after installing a steam condenser on my boil kettle. Worked great, but 75 minutes into a 90-minute boil, I realized that I forgot to change equipment profiles in Beersmith. I let the boil go for another hour <laughs> and, no. and got it down to seven gallons. But that <laughs> jacked up my IBUs. <laughs> I'm considering adding coffee to it to bottle some. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. That's, uh, I. I he, okay. He thought the bitterness was going to be too high. Now, do we think that the that his IBUs got too high on this because he went to? The, I think what happened is it it had this, you know, um, some of the interesting uh, malt characters in there, and the um, that maybe that wordiness that you're getting is coming from that extended boil that he did, which you really shouldn't necessarily need to do for an alt beer. Yeah, I, I think there was some kettle caramelization yeah. that happened because of the extended boil, and depending on his system, uh, I'm not sure you know how you where the steam condenser comes into this. But if he was, especially if he had like a, a, a powerful flame going on there, like a you have hot spots on that kettle for like an extra hour, you're going to potentially get some caramelizing, mm-hmm. uh, or you know maybe I'm maybe using the wrong term for that, but you're going to be getting some unfermentable is going to be getting some caramelizing. And that would explain some of the wordiness. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. And then later he said, so the alt seems uh, messed up. I kegged it a couple weeks ago and it tasted fine. He poured half a pint when bottling and noticed how the flavor was totally different. Uh, so he was like, I can still send it. I'm like, hey, you know, it'll be more interesting to talk about. So send it on over, brother. Yeah. And, and I mean, uh, he, we, lo- we like helping out to diagnose beers yeah. that, you know. He could add something wrong in his yeah. keg, it sounds like. It's entirely possible. And you know what? I think, I think it was a little overly bitter. That was yeah. my, my comments that I thought the bitterness level was just a little was a little too high for this style. Yeah. Hmm. Then we, I, I didn't find that myself. So we're, yeah, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. We're going to have to kiss it out, I think, is what uh, we're going to have to do. Uh, uh, let's take a real fast break, everybody, and then we're going to come back. We're just going to do a little recap, and uh, we're going to get out of here. This is Dr. Homebrew. Hang on. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up. You might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. 
It features an all stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com. Thanks for sticking around, everybody. We kissed it out over break with uh, Belgian supermodels. Mine was named Stella. That's true. Mine was named Tom for some reason. (laughs) I don't know why. I always get the weird ones. Tom of Finland. Mm. Uh, Okay, well, look, I don't have anything to say. I don't even know why we took a second break right there. I have something to say. I got something to say. Send me your beer today. There it's better we go. to burn out. <laughs> then, um, if you want to send us beer, yes. email Brian with an I at thebrewingnetwork.com and let us know what you got. And uh, I'll be happy to set you up with instructions on how to get it on the show. We're, we're looking for a few good beers and maybe a couple of not so good ones for uh, the next shows. So You said your tagline, man. Yeah. Are we done? Does that mean we're done? <laughs> sure. Man, we're done whenever. Okay. All um, right. Well, thank you. Uh, Brian at thebrewingnetwork.com. We'll get you sorted out. We'll get you on the show. It'll be a good time. I promise. We're gearing up for NHC. I'm excited about that. So I think we're going to be doing a couple shows live. I don't know. Are you guys coming to NHC? Homebrew Prob- Prob- Con? Probably. I need okay. to actually check into that. When is that? Like June or July? June. June. Yeah, I'm planning on being there. 9th, 14th, 19th, 8th through the 14th. Okay. Yeah, something like that. Going to have some hot chicken? Yes. I'm going to have In Nashville? literally every meal will be hot chicken. My my <laughs> butthole will look like Mars. It will just be red and we'll, angry. We'll, we'll, take, we'll take your word for that. Thank you. Well, I'll show you pictures. Now, my partner wants to go to Dollywood, so we might tack that on. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to the next show. Which is, if no one's listening live, so we can't tell them to <laughs> stay tuned. But the next show is going to be awesome. Skip forward right yeah, now. Skip forward. It'll Nothing be a good, good time, everybody. Happening. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and until next time. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, Whatever. Do a thing. I'm tired.